We are very excited about today's show, but before we begin, we have Jesse Ledoux with our product feature of the week. Jesse, tell us what you got for us. Hey, Stephen, I have this week the Suntan Shoe by Jonathan Kane, and we all know the tippy top. This is a variation of that style, the nice big platform, super elongating for your legs, but there are some major differences, and here they are. First, the ankle strap is clear, which elongates your legs even more. Second, the heel is a little bit thicker for better stability. And lastly, it's a slip-on style, which is so clutch for backstage when you're in a hurry you're not having to fumble and buckle and all that stuff so it is it's sturdier it's uh your pinky toes doesn't hang out of the side and it's got that clear strap and it slides right on <laughs> now is there a certain age division that works best with this or certain pageant systems that this is good for and others like okay don't wear this shoe on so I would definitely not suggest this for anything below the teen division, and I would only suggest it for teens that are either willing to put in the time to practice or are seasoned pageant walkers because it is five inches tall. There is a pretty generous platform, so the angle of your foot isn't super dramatic, but it's still pretty high. And you're not going to want to, for those younger age divisions, you're not going to want to look age inappropriate and that shoe would do this so teen and up um and you have to be a seasoned walker got it and okay what's the cost and, and where can they find it so the cost is 113 dollars um, and it's on our website shop.pageantplanet.com and the best thing is like get your size free returns as always don't have to be panicky and the word on the street is these are like tippy tops more comfortable cousin just because of those features and when you look at the shoe you'll notice like tippy top is very strappy and this shoe is much like has one single strap over your toe one on the ankle so it's just a little bit more of a streamlined look than the tippy tops got it thanks jesse Welcome to the Pageant Planet Podcast, where we help you succeed in pageantry. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome, everyone, to another episode. Today, Jesse and myself, we're going to discuss bad habits during your pageant. Jesse, set the stage for us. We all have these bad habits, right? We have them in every aspect of our life. And in pageant week, it is so crucial to be on your game at all times. And there are some bad habits that I think reign true across the entire industry and disrupt your focus and they throw off your game. So I want to talk about those today. Okay. So uh, how many, well, I won't tell you that, like how many bad tips are there, but give us the first kind of bad tip, if you will, bad habits um, that girls do during their pageant. So we're going to go through six today to answer your secret question there. Um, but the first one is defaulting to phone time. And like when I watch live coverage of a pageant, um, like behind the scenes or when the girls are at a rehearsal or an interview um, or an appearance, I just see them all like with their phone in their hand and it drives me crazy. And granted, there's always downtime during pageant week or weekend because you're in transit, you're waiting for your turn. And like that is not the time to pull out your phone. Um, and when you have a break, I, I know it's easy to want to update your status and respond to comments, upload photos. The more you're on your phone, the less present you are. And that rings true for everything, Stephen. Is that true for you? Oh, my gosh, yeah. So Renata and I, we have a rule that whenever we go out to eat, phones like are off face down so that we can just have a conversation. Because like with, I mean, if you're a title holder or you have an online company like we do, there are notifications constantly. And mm -hmm. if you want to have any kind of quality life or experience life in the moment, you have to create 
rules for yourself. And even, I mean, to your point, like if you're uploading your status, responding to comments, and the director chimes in, oh, I forgot to say this, our new call time is 6 instead of 6.30, you're, you know, multitasking is a myth. It's just not possible to do two things simultaneously. You miss that. And then you show up late, and it totally throws off your game. Yeah, that is a great point, Stephen. And like, there are so many important things to do during pageant week. So even if you're in your hotel room and you sit down to just scroll your feed for five minutes, I mean, that's taking the place of possibly like steaming your clothes. So then you have to do it in the morning when you're frazzled or studying your interview notes or your introduction. And I get it. We are all so sucked into this digital universe and you want to update your fan page because people are waiting for it. And I get that. But like, Take a moment to say, okay, can I be doing something else with this time that's more valuable? Well, and I know just for me, when I look at what's going on in my body, I had this conversation with myself this morning because something happened. It was minor, but it got me like really frustrated. And I was like, whoa, where did that come from? Like, mm. And so I started looking and I'm like, you know what? I haven't given myself the space like away from any kind of activity to just be. And so I have a very little patience reserve going on right now mm -hmm. and I realize because it's like I go from one thing to one activity to one notification and it keeps going that I haven't really had time to recharge and yep. in a pageant energetically you're giving so much of yourself you're in this competition mode that if you don't take that time to recharge yourself mentally or emotionally something like you know what something like what happened to me this morning which is very small and minute can throw you off your game and ultimately could cost you the crown, right? Because it could happen mm -hmm. right before interview. Yes. And so my alternatives to this are when you have the urge to reach for your phone, when you're in a pageant setting, so you're not privately in your room, you're either at rehearsal or traveling, turn to, your, turn to a contestant and talk to them, like get to know them or just sit in silence and just observe what's going on around you and like recognize like where you are and what you're doing and how you're being inspiring for others. Or Stephen, one of your favorite things is to bring a book. And that way you're able to put your energy into something else that will benefit you reading and researching and exploring your mind or things that can only benefit you both in pageant interview, pageant stage or professionally. Yeah. And like a pro tip around that is that you set the posting schedule before you actually even arrive to there mm -hmm. and then inform the people that are in your inner circle kind of what that schedule is. And um, if your schedule kind of adjusts and let's say you have a boyfriend, for example, you just let them know, hey, you know, for the next hour, I'm not going to be available. My phone's going to be off. So therefore, you don't have it in your mind like, oh, my gosh, if Brian texts me, he's going to be so angry <laughs> if I'm an hour late and texting back or whatever. Right. right. Yep. So, um, yeah, just creating that schedule and letting others know, uh, keeping them in the loop so they can you can manage their expectations helps. Cool. That's perfect. What's. Um, the, the second bad habit that contestants have during their, their pageant, not staying organized as you go. And I am, I will raise my hand. I am the worst at staying organized as I go. Like when I'm getting ready to go out, even to dinner, like my outfits, all the ones I put on, I'll stay out and then it's a big mess. And like, that, that's my, that's my persona and organizational skill. So who am I to be giving advice? Right. But I, I have totally cornered the pageant organization game because I know how important it is. So my favorite tip is when I get to a pageant, I completely unpack. I lay my shoes out, hang my dresses, I iron and steam what's necessary the very first day. And I want my suitcase to be totally empty before the week starts. Yeah, completely. And you know what? I do that too. 
um, like when I was traveling pretty much every weekend, because during pageant week, when I was first starting off the company, I'd be gone for about six months every weekend, you know, so over a six months period about every weekend. And that was a way that it helped me get settled immediately when I got into the hotel room, unpack everything, you're organized, you're because no one like can really rest when there's just chaos around them, mm-hmm. like clutter or whatever. So it really does help you just get into your zone faster. That's so true. And like once once you have unpacked, everything has a home and you know where that home is because you put it there. You don't have to rummage through piles in your suitcase, which can make you frazzled or late. And like once you're done using something, either put it back in its place or what I do is now that my suitcase is empty, I put all of my used items or my dirty clothes in there and that way they're out of the way. I don't need to worry about them. So it's whatever works for you, but there is like no excuse for just like putting it in a pile out in the open. Like, and for, again, for me, who's not naturally organized that during pageant time is a huge stressor for me. So, um, like take it day by day and like that will keep you very Zen emotions under control. It just takes five minutes at the end of every day to just clear your space. Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you have kind of like, um, any alternatives to this or this is just the only option? I got to be honest, Steven, I don't have an alternative for this. Like this is the only option. Get your stuff together. Being a slob, and I know that's a harsh term, it's just not a good look and it makes you unprepared. It'll stress you out. And if it's a one day pageant and you have to have everything like in your backstage area, like you don't have a lot of that space. So it's very important to like, as you use something, you take it out, you put it back and make sure that like you have that mentality as you're packing your stuff. Like, okay, what can I easily access? What will I need to access the most? Where are my secondary items? Like there's no excuse. You have to put the time in because it will, it will be the reward like tenfold. Yeah. And like, so a pro tip around this, and I actually, this is borrowed from a friend. Um, she's a music, um, manager so she manages artists so she's on the road a lot one of the things that she does to unwind every night is cup of hot tea and slippers so Mm. she always packs her slippers she said because it gives me like a sense of home and like a sense of what i'm doing at home that i always do to relax and unwind and so she says it helps me recharge so if you have something like that whether it is hot tea or slippers or your favorite robe something like that pack it and wear it because you keep your body in that habit of okay my day's done i can now relax and it gives you that slice of home if you will I will add a second layer to slippers too, Stephen. If you're a pageant contestant and you're on your feet all day long, yes, it feels great to take your shoes off in the hotel room, but you're still flat foot and that floor is probably hard beneath you. Slippers are a great thing to pack, not only for that comfort factor, but too, it's an extra layer of padding on your feet. So it's like speeds up your recharge for your feet. Mm, That's great. I mean, (laughs) Renata was telling me that when she lays down, um, at night after wearing heels, she, it's almost like she can feel her heartbeat in her yes. foot because they're throbbing so much. It's just the things that women go through that guys have no idea. It's just Oh my gosh, so true. Um, so true. All right, so third, third bad habit that girls have during their pageant. Oh gosh, I mean, this is probably the most common of the bad habits and it's talking smack. Mm. And it is so easy to get caught up in drama with your friends, with your other contestants, about other people. Not cool. Not Not cool. cool. Not cool at all. And where do you think that this stems from, really? Well, one, I think when you're in a group of strangers, you don't have a lot in common or you're not aware of having a lot in common. 
So what you do have in common is the people that are there right then. So that's one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a safety, like, okay, we can, we can definitely relate on this. Yeah. Or two, it's a jealousy thing, or you're trying to project your negative energy on someone else and like, or you're nervous about being critiqued. So you're going to critique others as a defense mechanism. So I think there's a lot of different places it can stem from, but it's, no matter what it is, like it's not cool to judge or hate on other contestants and like you're taking the focus off yourself and it's it's not in a good way. And keep in mind too, like I am a trusting person. I open up very quickly. So I've had times in my life where I've said something about someone that was totally not meant in a malicious way, but by the time it got back to them, it had been reformatted, if you will, to fit a certain agenda or to fit a certain mentality. And it came back to bite me and it wasn't even what I said or how I said it. So that can happen even more so at a pageant because everyone's looking for villains, which is a really, really sad, but true thing. Yeah, it it is. And I I have to agree with you that um, when I'm around someone that makes me feel insecure, uh, whether like they have a perceived success or perceived attribute that I don't, it is easier to attempt to pick them apart in mm-hmm. order to somewhat justify myself. And I notice that like, even it's easier to do as you get older because you have more life experience, right? And you're mm-hmm. more comfortable in your own skin. It's like, whoa, where is this coming from? Oh, okay. I envy this about that person. Therefore, I'm trying to tear them down yep. like in my mind or pick them apart so that we get – because I feel like we're not on equal playing field. So I want to say, oh, they have this great attribute. However, mm-hmm. you know, they're a jerk or they probably cheat on their wife or <laughs> just something crazy, right? Or that, wow, they're, they're flirting with another girl. So you're not like, you're a jerk, right? So it helps like to balance it out. Um, and that's not healthy. It is healthier when you start to identify that. Um, and I see it, I see it a lot in families of contestants because, and that's like the problem with like, with reacting negatively. If you're a family member of a pageant contestant, if you react negatively, your contestant will react negatively to what's happening in the moment because they're feeding off your energy and they love you. Like pageant families love you so much that they are trying to find faults and this is totally not on them. Like this is subconscious. They're like, well, this person, even though they're absolutely flawless and perfect in every way, shape and form, because they're not going to acknowledge that about that person. They're going to say, well, she walked with a pony step or she did a pony kick. It was ridiculous. They're looking to pick apart these people because they love you so much and they think you're perfect. So it's just one of those things you have to, you have to try to find the positive and like stay that way the entire time. It's hard, but you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Alternatives. Yeah, sure. So if if that first thing I mentioned where you're trying to find common ground with other contestants in a group, discuss instead of discussing people, discuss things or places, ask other contestants about where they live, what hobbies they have and learn more about them instead of looking outwards at other people. And like you may just meet your BFF. That's cute. Well, I I got a pro tip and this is something at a mentor challenged me to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And we made it a game. And this had a financial impact. For me, it was I wasn't allowed to use the word can't or try because those are um, words that are disempowering. Like, oh, I'll try to do that. Well, if I tell you, Jesse, try to pick up the pin. Don't pick up the pin. Try to pick up the pin. Right? You're either going to do something or you're not. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't allowed to use – every time I used the word try, I had to pay him a dollar. Every time I used the word can't, I had to pay him $5. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. And um, so if you choose to do something like that and make it a game, anytime you catch someone talking negative about like another t contestant, whatever, if you catch your mom or your mom catches you, whatever, you have to do a dollar into a jar and then you know, maybe that dollar is donated to a charity or whatever. Or it doesn't even have to be monetary. It could just be like calling each other out or whatever, but make it playful, make it a game. It's like, oh, you're doing it again. Um, and have kind of a prize at the end if you have like less than a certain amount. But it, it creates, it gamifies it and makes it a little bit more fun. I totally agree. And I think just the accountability factor where you're like actually being like called out for it is a big deal. We were talking, I was with my colleagues and we were talking about how much we all use the phrase 100%. And we never noticed it until someone brought it up. And then the entire rest of the time we were together, it was like every time someone said 100%, we'd be like, oh, 100%. Or we would stop ourselves and say, oh, I almost said 100%. <laughs> but it wasn't until it was like called out or like someone made um, like made us realize it that we were doing it so much so there's a definite like so there's something to just the accountability factor it's great all right bad habit number four hitting the snooze button something i did this morning um i am a huge like snooze button fan i get it and it is like the biggest blessing and the greatest curse and because like there's nothing more satisfying than being in bed longer and there's nothing more dissatisfying though than wishing you had like those 10 or 15 minutes back when you're rushing to be on time like it never fails i am rushing around i'm like oh my gosh if i had 15 more minutes this would be perfect yeah and i look back and i snooze for 15 minutes i can't like why do you why do you feel like you do that is that just habit pattern at that time it's just a habit. And again, like a lot of the things I do in my regular, my real life, I don't do in pageant life because I get how important that is. And like when I'm, it's like a Saturday morning, it's like whatever. But, um, or like I'm just hanging around going up with my girlfriends, it's like whatever. And they, they know that. Um, but like at pageant time, like despite those late night rehearsals and early morning hair and makeup appointments, like you have to get up the first time because you don't have 15 extra minutes. They're not going to be understanding like my girlfriends. They're either going to leave you on the bus um, when they go to rehearsals or they're going to be tapping their watches and definitely taking a mental note that you are the one that is always rolling in late. Yeah. I, I can say that even I, I don't wake up to an alarm anymore. It's just whenever my body nudges me and says, Stephen, you've had enough rest. It's time to wake up is how I wake up now. However, before um, I had this online company, I had to wake up to an alarm and, mm -hmm. um, I didn't hit the snooze button. I like, I just, but that's how my parents trained me. Like, cause I'm mm -hmm. getting in trouble for hitting the snooze button when I was like younger. And one of the things that I come to realize for myself is I make a decision. Okay. Either I'm going to wake up at this time. Like, let's say it's six. I'm going to wake up at six or I'm going to wake up at five forty five and hit the snooze button. Um, I don't know, one or two times and then wake up six. So it's just like, well, if I make that decision conscientiously before mm -hmm. I, and I'm like, okay. And the other thing I, um, I just feel like it's a better return on my investment to wake up right at six. And then the other thing that I realized with myself, I'm like, if I wake up and I'm tired, hitting the snooze button isn't going to suddenly magically make me a rest, like rested. And that also helps me like, mentally because sometimes especially when you're traveling whatever you get like three hours of sleep time zone difference mm -hmm. and you gotta and you 
it's like, okay, do I want the 15 minutes and then hit the snooze button and then go? Or do I just want the extra 15 minutes and then just wake up right on the nose? Um, so that's kind of has helped me to make that decision and just go ahead and get up. Um, and then the one other thing that, no, you know what? I'm going to leave that as a pro tip. All right. What's, what's your alternative for being, um, for an alarm? Well, I will say one like scientific fact here is like, there are no studies that say snooze buttons make you more rested. Actually, it's the contrary because you keep disrupting your REM cycle. Like you're waking up, you're going back to sleep. It is actually doing the opposite, makes you more tired. So keep that in mind. Um, the alternative is, okay, here's some ideas for those chronic snoozers. One, bring a physical alarm clock that makes you get out of bed to turn it off. That is a great one. Have the hotel make a wake up call. And the reason that I like this when I travel is because it's such a different sound. Like who hears a phone ring normally now? Like I can't remember the last time I heard a regular phone ring unless it was on TV of like an old, old reference. So when that phone rings, it will jar you and it will wake you up because it's not what you're used to. Or to, like going off what Steven just said, just set your alarm for the actual time you have to get up. Like mentally, I'm like, oh, I'm going to set my alarm for 645. It'd be great to get up at 645. And then I'm like, well, I could sleep till 7. That's what ha that's my mental process when I hear the alarm go off at 645. I'm like, I have till 7. And that's why I do it. But to Stephen's point, if I just set my alarm for 7, I would just get up. So those are three alternatives. A wake-up call from the hotel, bring a physical alarm clock. It would take like no extra space in your suitcase or like just setting your alarm for the time you have to get up. So I'm dying to hear this pro tip. Well, so the pro tip is it, it's it's two things that I do that I realize is one is I don't give myself an option. So when I wake up, like let's say I'm going to the airport, I give myself like 15 minutes to wake up, brush my teeth, wash my face, like grab my bags and be out before the Uber is going to be downstairs. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's zero room for error. So when the alarm clock chimes, I know like, okay, I've, I've redlined this. And so immediately it's like, I got to get going. And I know that before going in the other thing that I've done, and this might sound hoaxy or whatever I say. Um, so I say, when I wake up, I'm going to be rested. And I, and I say a prayer and I say, God, wake me up on the right um, sleep cycle because if you wake up on the right sleep cycle when you're in REM or whatever mm -hmm. and you, you wake up, you wake up more rested. And so that's my – I tell myself when I wake up, I'm going to be rested and I'm going to wake up in the right sleep um, – on the sleep cycle. And I'm telling you, that works. It absolutely works because your words have power and you're almost re reprogramming your mind. Okay, three hours of sleep, no problem. I'm going to wake up in the right sleep cycle and when I wake up, I'm going to be rested. And you can always sleep mm. on the plane, but that has it always works for me. That's really interesting. And I, I read something else. We could do a whole episode about good sleep habits, really. Uh, mm -hmm. um, well, you could, and I would listen and take notes. But I did read something about your REM cycle, like you go through a full cycle every hour and a half, which is why some days you wake up like 15 minutes before your alarm. And if you go back to sleep, you are doomed. I'll tell you that. You're, you wake up and like, wow, like. I'm awake and I already, I still have 15 minutes. This is great. Don't do it mm -mm. because when you naturally do that, likely you've just completed one full REM cycle. So kind of, if you back up the hour and a half from one time you have to get up, that is the right time to go to, well, hours and a half. Um, that's probably the right time because then you'll be in full sleep cycle. Like you just said. So great. Okay. Bad habit. Number five, giving outside influences too much credit. 
And what I mean by that is like, you will get unsolicited feedback throughout the pageant. Like someone might come to you and say, I love your dress, but I really wish you would have worn your hair up or if you wore your hair up, they might say you want to wear it down. Or they say, I loved your evening gown, but I didn't like your, I wish you had different accessories. Like, who are you to come over and tell me what to do in the middle of pageants? But you know, it happens all the time. Or they'll be like, oh, I, I didn't like your pose. It would be stronger in this outfit if you did this. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like, do I take this person seriously? Am I doing this wrong? Does, are the judges thinking this? Like, it's a really easy way to get in your head. Yeah, completely. And I feel like most of the time when people do that, they have some sort of an agenda. Like a lot of times mm-hmm. they're a pageant coach. They realize that you're new to the scene. They, they probably realize that you probably don't have a pageant coach. And so they're trying to give you unsolicited advice and so that you will see their expertise and say, wow, maybe you can help me. Yep. And another way that this plays in these outside influences is actually the converse effect. Like when I was competing and I don't say this to like toot my own horn. I say it to teach a lesson. I promise. I had people coming up to me all week long you're the one to watch. You're, you're my favorite. I think you've got this. And like, that's really not, people think they're being nice when they say that, but it just like, and I was under so much pressure in general. Like, I think a lot of people know my story about like, I quit my job to to, compete for Miss International so I could be the best state rep I could be. So I was already feeling pressure. And every time someone said something nice to me, they thought they were being like really helpful and really sweet. It just packed on like weight overweight, overweight. So it's one of those things where you just like positive or negative, you have to take into consideration who's making the suggestion or the comment and what their, Stephen just said this, intent could be. So like at this point when you're competing, every decision that you have made, whether it's how you pose or what you're wearing, should have been planned out to a T and it's like done so in order to serve your brand and any changes that you make can potentially detract from that. So like you have this plan, stick to it, stay true to it, like, and move on. Got it. Alternatives. I think the biggest alternative here is just like take the feedback with a grain of salt and share it with your coach. And if you don't have a coach, someone in your corner and talk through what that person said and weigh the pros and cons and make a final decision and don't dwell on it. You either make the change. You think, oh, well, you know, I didn't see that my hair up might be a great choice here. But now that I'm talking through this with you, I think it would do X, Y and Z. So I'm going to go ahead and make that change. And if you say, you know what, like I like the way it looks, I'm not going to dwell on it. So evaluate Take it with a grain of salt. Does it fit your brand and move on? Yeah. And that coincides with the pro tip too. It's so if as a human, if I put a lot of weight on the compliments that Jesse gives me and like that adds value to my being, right? And like, oh, Jesse complimented me. This means the world to me. I by default am also going to put a lot of value on someone else's criticism that Eric gives me because he doesn't like my dress. Mm -hmm. There's no way to say I'm only taking in the positive and not taking in the negative. So the pro tip is either way. It's like, awesome. Thanks for sharing. Okay, great. I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing because, and you realize that if someone's complimenting you and they're telling you how great they are, that, um, it doesn't matter. Because only what you say about you matters in the same mm-hmm. way. If someone says you're a jerk or they hate your dress or your hair or like they don't think that you have a shot, awesome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. I appreciate it. 
And criticism is really hard, especially what I learned when someone criticizes me or they're critiquing me about like something I need to change. My default, because I like to please people, is to say, um, oh my gosh, like, wow, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this. Um, and to almost tell them I'm going to make that change, right? Because for me, the situation feels awkward mm-hmm. and I don't want to get in conflict. So my default is to almost tell them, instead of saying, yeah, I don't believe you, <laughs> I, I want to say <laughs> like, oh gosh, yeah, I, I will, I'll definitely, I'll make that change, right? So what I've done, and this has really helped me in my language, I say, thank you for sharing, and I'll take a look at that. Got it. I'll take a look at that. And that's my pro tip, is that if somebody mm. criticizes you or whatever, awesome, thanks. I'll take a look at that. Because you're not negating what they're saying. You're just like, I'll take a look. And you're taking a look could be, did that fit? No. Nope. <laughs> you mm. don't ever have to necessarily like deeply evaluate this, but cool, I'll take a look. And if somebody compliments you, Awesome. Thank you. Don't feel the need to compliment that person back, you know, because you're in essence saying, oh, this means so much to me. I want to compliment you back. Just if they're paying you a compliment, thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And you're taking it and you're not putting so much weight on the opinion of somebody else. There you go. Cool. Um, Bad habit number Six, the last one. What would that be? I do want to say one more thing oh, about the last piece. Mm-hmm. No, that's okay. And that is if you're at a pageant and you think someone else should have won or someone else should have won a prelim award, do not tell that person. Don't go up and say, oh, you know, I really thought you had it. You were my pick. After the fact, that is even less helpful than it is to say it beforehand. And the reason being is they probably are already hurting about it. And now they're like, getting bitter because people are telling them, Oh, you were on my list. You were my, you were my pick. I thought you had this. And then they start to like, it starts to compile and it's not helpful. So I would just say, instead of saying something like, like, Oh, you are my pick. You should have had it. Say, I thought you did an amazing job. I loved how you did blank. So say something specific and that way they know for the next time, okay, this is something I did great. And I need to build on that instead of, well, I should have won at that time. So just, it's the way you phrase it. Still give people compliments if you think that there was something to be complimented, but be cautious of how you say it. It can give um, challenges to the mindset moving forward. Oh, that's so good. I mean, Renata like still talks um, about times where people said, oh, you should have had it. And she's like, oh. Mm-hmm. And she still remembers those people that said she should have had it. So yeah, love that tip. Well, they mean well, right? It's yeah. just one of those things where they just don't know how to say it. Yeah, and that's that's a good that's a good strategy you provided. Um, okay. Okay, number six. Yep. Number six is letting your nerves get the best of you, and this is probably one of the most common questions I get. It's a real toughie, and like, there's not a perfect answer for everyone. And like, how do I stay calm? Like that is such a mystery for different people. Different people react to different calming forces in their life. And like when I was at my pageant, I was beyond anxious and I've already alluded to it. I put so much pressure on myself, but that pressure was felt the nerves anxiety was like when I was getting ready to go to sleep, when I was about to walk into interview. And when I was about to walk on stage, I could not have been more confident because I was prepared to perform. Like I hit autopilot. I was like, I am ready for this. This is what I've been prepared for. It was the after and the in-betweens that I felt so stressed out 
So as long as you can like put that all aside when it comes to deliver, that's all it takes. Yeah. So how did you put it aside or how did you like when you were feeling the pressures, did you do any kind of practice or read anything or converse certain person that you spoke to that helped to calm your nerves? Well, I did. I'll, I'll give first why I didn't feel it on stage. And then I will also, then I'll give my, like, how did I remedy it when I was private, privately, like expressing my stress. Uh So when I was like, I I did the work and I had the plan, like I left no stone unturned. I did mock interviews every single day. I rented out dance studios so I could do my walk. Like I did the things that mattered most and I had a plan. And it's so funny, the people, the clients that I have that are the most nervous, are the ones that come back to their session the next time and they haven't done their homework that I gave them or they're not practicing between our sessions or they procrastinate getting certain things done. And that's what makes you nervous about performing is when you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if this is my best because I haven't proven to myself that it is my best. So it's that is the mentality you have to have is that you have done everything you possibly can do. When you arrive at the pageant, the hard work is done. Mm. It's just about being your best self because that's what you've prepared. So and it's like I, I will say it once more, the people that are most stressed or most nervous when it comes to performing are the people that haven't done the work, in my opinion. No, I mean, it's just it's the same thing when you're in high school, right? The tests that you're the most nervous about are the ones that you forgot to study for or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it makes and, a lot of sense. And it's natural to be, have nerves. I mean, like it would be crazy if you didn't have like a little bit of a leg shake happening in your T stance. Like you, it's it's the adrenaline of the moment. So it's natural to have a little bit of uh, anxiousness prior to performing. But so you shouldn't have no no emotion at all. I mean, that would be like wow, you'd be superhuman. But it's a matter of like I can, it's a, the feeling that I can do this. So some things I did to stay calm, like I set routines and habits for myself. Um, that placed me in a calm state of mind. So like I made a playlist. I talk on my playlist all the time. I had one song in particular that was uplifting and empowering to me that I listened to like on repeat backstage in my hotel room when I was getting ready. I would do a workout every morning. I had a specific workout that I would do every morning and I had a specific workout I would do every night. And that way I wasn't, I was harnessing my nervous energy on something else. Or I, um, you could use oils. I think essential oils are really popular right now. You can bring your diffuser with you. You can diffuse those. You can apply them to your pressure points. Or like for me, I love melatonin. It's a natural relaxant. Um, I know how my body reacts to it. So not, don't necessarily bring something for the first time and try it at pageant week because it could totally mess with you. So like for you, like for you, you might have something else that you use, but like playlist, workout, talking to people that I loved and like a natural relaxant. That's great. And pro tip around there is just to f- control your controllables. Focus on the mm-hmm. things that you can't control. And when you're in that situation when you're feeling most nervous or um, you're feeling most stressed, focus on your breathing because that's one element that you can't control. You mm-hmm. look at the, I mean, the meditation gurus, all that. When you focus on your breathing, everything else starts to relax. So one of the things that I like to do is when I'm breathing, like I'll say I breathe in confidence, I breathe out insecurity. I breathe mm. in wealth, I breathe, I breathe out poverty, things like that. Um, or like what you can also do if that doesn't work for you is just focus on the breaths. Like you, you pull in your breath, you hold it for like a three count and then you release it. Um, you pull in your breath through your nose, three count, and then release through your mouth. And the other thing that you can do is if that would just appear weird because maybe you're on stage or something like that, you can um, 
just breathe in through your nose and just focus on the area of like where your your breath is coming in and out of your mm. your nose like try to f- really feel the breath coming in and out because that again it takes your mind off of all the crazy clutter that's going on uh takes your thoughts away from all the crazy clutter that's going on in your mind and you start to just focus and control what you can control mm. great points if someone wanted to work with you jesse how would they be able to do that So I'm hoping that by now all of our listeners have created a contestant profile on pageantplanet.com. And once you've done that, you unlock all of your coaching features on the back end. And we, of course, have several different layers of service uh, from like our most basic package, which is the box and our virtual coaching to our VIPs where you get mock interviews and our VIP platinum where you get mock interviews, written correspondence, and a weekly coaching session. So there's all different options and you can access them by logging into your contestant profile on pageantplanet.com. 